Greetings, everyone. This is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I have an awesome guest today, Garrett, who is a Bassmaster angler who's won over $238,000 in career winnings. He's also a guide on Lake St. Clair. How you doing, Garrett? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Love to have you here. Love to have those northern guys uh, that like fishing smallmouth, too, on this podcast. It's one of those things that I personally love doing up in Lake Oneida and different spots like that. Um, one of the my favorite questions to ask right in the beginning for guys to do bass tournaments and different stuff like this is, how'd you get to where you are today? And are there any mentors in the game right now that really helped you out get to that spot? Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, where I live, I grew up in Metro Detroit, uh, still live there today. So not a real big fishing community like you have down south, right? Like I didn't have a bunch of buddies that wanted to bass fish. I mean, it was all about sports, sports, sports. Um, but my dad was pretty serious into fishing and not bass fishing, but salmon and lake trout trolling up on the Great Lakes, up on Lake Huron specifically. So I was just kind of around fishing as at a young age. Um, and quite honestly, salmon fishing bored me so much for trolling for him that I was like, I need, when I get back to the boat Harbor, I need to get a rod out and cast and try to catch some fish. So as a little kid, I, the minute we, the boat would hit the dock, I'd jump out there. I'd grab my rod and start casting around. I'd catch a like bluegill and rock bass and crappie and stuff like that. And then once I caught my first largemouth, and it was jumping and I saw it, I was actually fishing with live bait and I saw it bite my shiner. Once that happened for the first time, I was hooked. I was like, that was an amazing strike. Like the fight, everything was just awesome. And I was like, I want to, I want to do whatever I can to, to recreate that. Right. So I turned all my focus on to not just catching whatever, but for, for targeting bass. And as a little kid, I was just obsessed. I mean, I'd read any book I can, like back then the internet wasn't big, but I'd, I'd go and grab books, you know, I'd try all new lures and it just kind of progressed. Like, you know, this was right around yeah, this would have been like right around 2008 so like the uh economy kind of crashed where my dad actually sold his boat just to, uh you know be financially smart and he actually got uh like a smaller bass boat at the time so we went from salmon fishing to where he kind of catered towards me and uh we started bass fishing so then i was able to learn more see new lakes stuff like that and once i turned 16 um took that boat and ran off into as many local tournaments as i can and you know, once I started being comfortable in the lakes around my area, I branched out to uh, more lakes around the state and kept competing. And once I felt like I had a pretty good grip on it, I started traveling to other states, Ohio, Indiana, stuff like that. And then when I turned 20, um, made the decision to jump into, uh, at the time it was, uh, what was it, the Rayovax or the Toyota Series now. I did that for a year um, with the intention of fishing the elites. Uh, I actually didn't get in the Opens that year, but then the next year I went to the Opens fished those for three years, qualified for the elite series, did that for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, that's how it started. So I kind of, I almost treated like a video game, right. I kind of like leveled up and I, and, um, you know, I get, I get asked that question a lot by, uh, especially a lot of the younger kids that are new into fishing and want to do the same thing. And, you know, you kind of got to treat it like a video game. I can see a lot of guys that want to jump into tournament fishing at the highest level and they jump up too high, right. Where they kind of get their confidence crushed and, you know, cause it's just a, there's so much to learn. Um, but you really should just try to fish as much as you can with as many people as you can locally. And just kind of, once you feel comfortable, keep slowly, you know, moving up, looking at different areas, different regions of the country until you're, uh, you know, until you're ready to travel nationally. That's my story. 
Gotcha, man. And so it sounds like you really got that love for smallmouth bass fishing. It's even if it's in a little creek by me or whether it's one of these big lakes that hold some monster smallmouth bass. It's always been one of those fish that they fight like no others. Like they jump out of the water and they're going to put your line to the test for sure. Um, what's what's like some of the craziest like smallmouth bass you've caught around you, whether it be like in like a little local river or like the biggest lake? Um, so I fish. I fish a lot of Lake St. Clair. Like you said, I'm a guide. Um and Lake St. Clair is just like, it's, it's like, it almost numbs you to the point where you just like have so many days that are just unbelievable that you almost don't even think about them. Like we just have, we have, I mean, I'm talking about in the springtime, like in March and April, it is, it is common. And I'm talking like, you know, 70, 80% of the days to go out there and catch 70 to a hundred fish with half of those being three to five pounds, possibly six pounds. So not, not that I have a crazy story, but the fishing is just so amazing that like you're literally numb to just catching, you know, numerous and numerous big smallmouth all day long. Like where it's just like, there's another one, you kind of reel it in and do it again and do it again. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, I caught my biggest smallmouth. Um, I've never caught any real true, true giants. I did catch my personal best in October last year, which was almost seven. It was like six and three quarters pounds. So that was pretty cool. That's probably the most memorable one, but we've certainly caught a lot of uh, four to six pounds to say the least. Definitely, man. And fishing up in Lake St. Clair and another uh, little spot that I'm going to get a little bit later on this podcast. You ever run into any muskies up there? I have. Yeah, I've caught, I haven't caught a ton, but I've, uh, you know, you catch your fair share, especially if you're going to go out there and throw a crankbait or a swim bait, something moving, you will catch muskie. Um, I mean, guys catch them real big, like 50 plus inches. I haven't caught anything like that, but I have seen some of those real big ones chasing my bass while reeling them in, which is pretty crazy. It looks like a shark down there trying to bite him. And, you know, I've never had one bite, but, uh, I know guys that have certainly lost bass to big muskie on Lake St. Clair. Oh my God. That'd be insane. You just see a big shadow underneath your small mouth that you're bringing up. You're like, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's insane. So I was, yeah, man, when I was doing some research on you too, and just looking it up, um, one spot that's your favorite lake, um, it says on the internet is the St. Lawrence river. It's been one of the spots I was thinking about doing a little family trip up there this year, um, thousand islands in specific, but, um, what do you, what can you tell me about that body of water? Why is that like your favorite spot to fish? Yeah, it's, um, for one, it's just super diverse. Um, and what I mean by that, if you want to go catch them in three foot of water on a little hair jig or a spy bait, you can do it and watch them bite. Or if you want to go out there in 40 to 50 to 60 foot and drag deep, you can do it. And it just seems, it's just, you know, when you go to a lot of lakes, there's like an area of the lake, right? Like, it's like, okay, you got to kind of be in this bay or this Creek is good. And then there's like 50% of the, or even more than that, I'd say like 90% of the lake is usually dead water. The St. Lawrence river is just chock full. I mean, from Messina out into Ontario, there is not a five mile stretch that doesn't have a 25 pound bag. So that's really cool. You're not like limited to like, I got a fish here or, you know, I got to make this long run. You can literally just throw a dart on that map on that river and spend your day in there fishing and you will find a school of bass. I mean, it is, it's just incredible. And then on top of that, you know, the scenery up there is just gorgeous with all the big rocks and the cool castles and the clean water. And, you know, it's a pretty laid back area as far as like traffic goes, you know, everyone's pretty, pretty cool. So it's just like, I mean, it's like hard. I fished a lot of tournaments up there. It's like hard to get in the tournament mindset a lot of times because it literally feels like you're on vacation. Like it's just so enjoyable. Like it's hard to like kind of turn that gear and get intense. So it's a great one. If you have the chance to go, you should go. Definitely. Sorry, I'm getting over a cold. (laughs) You're good. That tournament mindset, it's been one thing that I've talked to a lot of people about and really locking in 
trying to find fish to just, you know, fill your bag up and find quality fish. Tell me a little bit about that. How do you flip that switch and being like, okay, I got this tournament and I got to go find these fish. How do you like kind of flip that switch? Like where it is fishing, it is fun. But at the same time, you got to make that money. You got to get paid your living. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. Like it's, um, you know, just, it's like a never ending search in my opinion. Like no matter what, especially like you're going to fish the elite series or the opens it, nothing, you just got to get in the mindset that like it's never enough. No, no matter how good of a spot you found or how good of a pattern, it's good to feel comfortable and confident, but you can't quit. You got to keep looking for more, keep finding more, keep finding more. That's kind of my thing. I just, I just never stop searching. And then hopefully by the time the tournament has come, I've amassed enough you know, ideas or spots or whatever I need um, to make it last you three or four days. But the biggest thing is I see a lot of guys, they get complacent out there. Like I got this spot, it's loaded, I'm going to win. And it just very rarely works like that. You know, it might work for a day or a couple of days, but it's very rare that something like that holds up. So you just got to kind of get in there that you're going to just keep looking and keep searching and keep gaining ideas, keep trying new things. You know, even, you know, a lot of, a lot of the most productive practice time is when you're doing the wrong thing or you're not finding fish because you're still, you know, learning, you're eliminating, you're learning what the fish don't want to live in. So, you know, just using all that time wisely is, is the biggest difference, you know, compared to, compared to fun fish. Cause yeah, if you find a spot in fun fishing, you're going to sit there and, you know, wear them out or, you know, maybe play around with a ton of different baits and all this to get really dialed in in tournaments. It's just more about find more, find more, learn more, keep going. I think that's kind of the, the switch you got to have. So you strike me as a guy who doesn't like sitting in the same spot for a long time. No. You you no. move around a lot? Oh, the- yeah. Probably too much. That's probably like, it's probably hurt me in the past. But yeah, I like, um, you know, I'm a guy that uh, if I'm not going to do well, um, I, I'm going to not do well trying to make it happen. So I'm going to keep running new water, keep trying new spots, trying new things, trying to make it happen. I'm not a guy that wants to sit on, and I'm not saying that, sitting in an area for a long time is a bad thing. Um, Cause there's a lot of great guys. Like you think of a guy like Greg Hackney, if you watch him fish, I mean, he'll fish like 10 docks in a day, I swear and, and crush everybody. Right. But I, I'm, I'm on the opposite end. I'd rather keep going, keep moving um, to, tr- to try to make it happen. That's kind of like my personality. I'm a real go, go, go. And you know, there's days of course, where you look back and you're like, I should have stayed there. The fish had bit in the afternoon or whatever, but more times than not in bass fishing, um, there's a bite to be had. Like usually it's not hard when you find it. So if it's, if things seem to be really tough on you, it's, it's probably not, uh, you know, it's not, it's usually not you. It's usually the spot, the fish have turned off or whatever. So it's, it, there's always something better. It seems like. Gotcha, man. And when doing all that moving, trying out different spots, I mean, over the past five years, this new thing seems like it just broke out of the scene called mm-hmm. uh, live scope. And it's one of those things that, you know, I'm not too familiar with because I don't have one on my boat yet. I will eventually. But it's one of those things. How often do you use it? And then how often is it just, you know, kind of on, but you're not really looking at it? Yeah. So I'm with Humminbird. I I have Mega Live. Obviously, same idea. Forward facing sonar. Um, Man, it's you got to use it a ton nowadays. It's it's just so... uh, it's so valuable for, you know, learning about your areas. Um, it's not always, and a lot of people think that you're catching every fish you see on it. And like, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of tournaments or there are tournaments where that does happen, especially in the fall. It seems like Cause in the fall, the fish don't relate to structure. And they, and then those times you just kind of get around and look for the fish and start making casts at them. But for me, um, in conjunction with 360, it just, it just makes me, um, or it shows me the pinpoint cast I want to make. And what I mean by that, like, let's say I pull up to a big rock flat 
um, generally, like let's say we're small fish and the biggest boulder is going to have usually the best fish. So I can turn that thing around real quick and say, oh, wow, there's a boulder that's, you know, four feet tall. And even if I don't see a fish, I'm going to cast it. And I catch a lot of fish like that. Or if you're fishing a brush pile, you know, you can kind of see, oh, they're on this side or this brush. You know, there's a tip over here that's really high. Um, or if you're on a weed edge, it keeps you off the weed edge. So, um, you know, to get, to wrap it up, I, it's always on. I'll never, uh, I'll never turn it off. Even if I'm in a shallow water tournament, it's just, a, it's just another um, way for you to gather information quickly throughout the day. Um, and of course, you know, like I said, you can catch fish on it. You'll watch a lot of fish bite, but it's not only for that, you know, that's kind of the misconception. It's, it's great for seeing structure, seeing irregularities and all that, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a huge tool. Um, I know a lot of guys are against it. You know, they're, Oh, it's making it too easy or, or this and that. And I say that fluorocarbon line makes fishing too easy because we had mono before. So, you know, all technology is good technology. Um, I don't know why you'd ever want to, you know, not have something to, to make you more effective on the water. Um, and I'll probably get hated on for saying that, but that's, that's how I feel about it. I think a lot of guys feel the same way, you know, uh, it's a, uh, yeah. A lot of yeah, younger guys definitely feel and, that way. And it's, and it's hurt. And honestly, forward sonar has hurt me because I, uh, you know, my style is kind of offshore fishing. And one of my strengths, I felt like, um, you know, before forward sonar was being able to get in deep water and make the exact cast I wanted. Like if I wanted to hit a little specific spot, well, now guys are able to point the sonar and see where that spot is. So it's actually hurt me tremendously. Um, and I'm still for it. So doing that offshore fishing, you got, you know, your, your monitors going where you can actually see it. You got another thing called spot lock too. Yep. Do you use any of that? Oh yeah. 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 The all tracks. That's another huge one. Like the minute spot lock came out, uh, you, you'll notice a huge bump in tournament weights. And that's because guys were able to catch a fish from a school of fish and they hit spot lock and they were able to go put in the live well and get back up and make the same cast. Right. A lot of times the same, making the same cast every time is super critical. Whereas back in the day, you drift back 300 yards and then you'd get back up to the spot and you're like, I think this is the spot and like the fish stop biting. But yeah, spot lock is spot locks critical. It, um, it, it's, you know, it's made everything easier. It's made you be able to stay on the fish and keep making the right presentation at all times. So a guy who's never used it, right. Just to, like me guy who's never used any of these electronics in your opinion, what are the best ones out there? As far as just like, uh, <clears throat> like what sonar or whatever. Sonar's and trolling motor. Yeah. Like what do you run? Yeah. So I, I'm all Minn Kota hummingbird stuff. You know, I feel like that total package, um, like I, I think a really underrated thing is uh, cartography and the lake maps. Like to me, and, and hummingbird as lake master, which is really high detailed mapping of each lake. To me, if I know how the bottom lays out exactly, that's like the most important thing. Cause then I can look on the map and say, and know exactly what I'm going to and know what I want to target. Um, and, and not have any question marks about, you know, am I pulling up? Does this hump actually exist? Or is this point look like, like I know everything's exact. So I think that's a really underrated one. Um, but yeah, it's a whole system. Like 360 imaging is amazing. Just being able to see the whole layout. Uh, of course, mega live, then you're able to kind of, you know, you, in conjunction with 360s, you, you see a rock over there and you can kind of point over there and, and get more precise um, with the all tracks of spot lock. I mean, it's all, you know, every, everything helps and all, you know, all electronic companies and trollmore companies have great options now um you know probably look around and you know see what might fit your uh fishing style the best but for me it's you know i think pairing hummingbird and minkota is perfect for my style 
that 360, I've, I've seen some videos on that 360, and it's absolutely insane what they can do with that. Oh, 360 is amazing. It's amazing. And I actually had that before most guys, and I kind of feel guilty about that because there were some days where I was able to put uh, some weapons on some guys. <laughs> I love it. Garrett, I appreciate you talking to you, man. We already hit your PV bass, so I'm not going to ask you then. Um, any bucket list fish that are still like on your bucket list, whether it be like a peacock bass or anything like crazy like that that you still want to catch? Um, so for largemouth, I have a nine pounder. I love a 10. I love a double digit largemouth. That's, that's kind of like a big bar with a seven pound smallmouth. I'd, I'd love to hit those two. I feel like those kind of put you in a different, uh, in a different league. Um, as far as other fish go, I'm trying to think I I've only saltwater fished a couple times and I absolutely loved it. I wouldn't mind tangling with like a big tarpon or something. So something that just puts up a crazy fight, jumps a lot, uh, or like a big shark. That'd be cool too. But I need a seven pound smallmouth and a ten pound largemouth. That I do need. Knock them all first, and then we'll go shark. Yeah, then we'll go for the saltwater fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Awesome, Garrett. I appreciate you jumping on this, doing this quick yeah, podcast with me. Where um, where can people find you, man, and follow your career on like social media? Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty active. I got Instagram and Facebook. Both are at Gpocketfishing. Um, yeah, you guys want to follow me? We have a bunch of fun on there. I'm, like I said, pretty interactive. Messages, comments. We try to try to respond to it all and have a kind of a laid back, good time on there. So awesome. Awesome. Garrett. I appreciate it, man. And I'll talk to you soon. If we want to do another one of these, like going down the road another season. Yeah, definitely. Dude. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. You just listened to the fishing fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well. Thank you.